Okay, well, welcome everyone to our podcast, Land and People, where we interview people with ancestral ties to the land, also professionals. Every other weekend, we introduce a new person for us all to learn from. And we are grateful that uh, University of Hawaii is our sponsor. Um, I'm Melissa Kamara. I'm a conservationist and uh, artist here on Hawaii Island. Yeah, and I'm Clay Trownick. I, I work at UH. I'm uh, an extension specialist. I do stuff with fire management and ecosystem um, work, watershed work, and trying to support the folks that do uh, kind of protecting these areas. Yeah, and the whole kind of impetus for this, well, I blame Melissa <laughs> for helping me into it, but just to get some stories, collect some stories and knowledge and wisdom from uh, people that are doing this work and have been doing so for a while. That's kind of where we're starting. It was really Melissa kind of having some mentors pass away uh, in the past couple of years that I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. There are some folks who were my mentors coming up in the field and trying to figure out how to problem solve these really complex issues of like, how do you restore a place that's been, you know, frankly neglected? Um, you no, know, no, not through particular people, but just through, you know, a lot of years of seeing, um, you know, plants disappear, species disappear, yeah. um, different things like that. So we're going to actually, speaking to uh, on-the-ground management, we're so excited to dive deep into Molokai because we last time spoke with Penny Rollins-Martin, who is homesteading on Molokai and who's done amazing environmental education and also was one of the first two women to sail on the Hokulea. And what's really fun is that we have her neighbor <laughs> who lives down the street. We're just going, we're just running down the block. Yeah. And his name is Brian Naiole and he's worked on the land. And so we, we're going back into thinking about the land and thinking about how to protect species and ecosystems. And Brian is so fun because he and I crossed paths when I worked for the Nature Conservancy, which you'll hear a little bit about. And he was uh, the retired field coordinator for Nature Conservancy Molokai. And so it's cool because we get into, um, which is still really highly controversial uh, among the public, is this idea of uh, animal control, right? And this uh, notion that we should, and I guess people arguing about whether we should keep animals. This is, ta I'm talking about wild pigs, goats, sheep, deer out of places. And, you know, if you just kind of fall back to the science, like we know that these animals can trash native ecosystems that, you know, these plants just do not thrive when these animals are present. And so, um, you know, Brian is really on the front lines on Molokai establishing these places, like basically making the point and doing the work more importantly, um, of trying to limit that damage, right? Trying to, trying to, um, you know, really make a case that, that this work is worthwhile, that we need to, to do, take these actions to protect these places and, um, you know, <laughs> getting into scraps with his neighbors about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh it's so interesting because it's a Molokai from my per limited perspective here talking to folks. It's just a microcosm of some of these other 
um, you know, conflicts that have happened on the land between folks who want the animals there and folks who don't want the animals there and want to restore what was there before. And, um, you know, uh, it, it's complicated and it's, and it's personal at times. And we're going to hear a little bit about that. And we're going to hear about how hard building fences in extreme topography and in watersheds, we're going to hear how hard that is and some of the techniques that they used to protect these areas and, and then also how to maintain them. So yeah. it's so much packed in here. Brian is, um, I tease him cause I call him are what? Are you a Kapuna status already? And I think he is. <laughs> so he's... How many grandkids does he have? <laughs> 13. So yeah. he's got a lot of knowledge to offer us. Yeah. And it's great because I, I love this because it's just, you know, we, you get down to a, a lot of this stuff just comes down to hard work, you know, and that's really where he, he kind of has shined throughout his career and we'll, we'll hear Definitely. all about it. And I think on that note, I'll just kind of say, as I do, uh, you know, the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of our employees or funders or um, of our guests. So um, I don't think there's anything too spicy we get into here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Clay. So with that, I'll introduce our next guest, Brian Naiole, retired field coordinator for the Nature Conservancy Molokai. You, well, I was telling Clay, you have like 13 grandkids or something you were saying the other day? Yes, I do. Wow. Nice. That's oh a handful. Gosh. What's the age range? Um, the oldest is um, right now uh, in college, uh, in his senior year. He's at Texas Arcana playing, uh, playing baseball. And the youngest is this guy here, year and a half. And there's another one. Pop- and she has another one popping up. Oh my gosh. Wow. I, I don't even know what to say to that because I only have one child. <laughs> You're lucky. You're lucky. Well, I, I, I don't I, know. Actually, actually, it's great to surround, surround yourself with grandkids. Oh, I bet. yeah. And, and, and instill your experience into them. Into them. My wife is actually heading over to Molokai Friday to go just to visit um, Ane, Bakuda's Ane, and Kekama home. I'm kind of I'm kind of pretty tight with uh, Kikamo. I just went to his house oh, cool. the other day to pick up his boar to bring oh. my sows here. I don't have a boar. <laughs> okay, okay. He's still doing the pigs too. That's cool. He's still yeah. doing the pigs. Yeah, it was about yeah. 250 pounder. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, well. lucky, lucky we were able to walk him on the trailer, not horse him on the trailer, which we usually do. Uh, so he was he was compliant. He 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 got he was uh, listening to you guys. About, uh, took about forty five minutes, but yes, he was. Wow. Oh my right, gosh! Right. Okay, so this boar, this two hundred fifty pound boar, we need to hear more about that. Is this going to be like just in your piggy pen, or are you going to eat them, or what? What's the story with this no, one? No, right now, right now, I'm in, in a stage of breeding. Everybody in, oh. Molokai, everybody in Molokai who has pigs, and I know a lot of them where people come to buy at different sizes. Yeah. So I send them to their houses, but they're giving up on, you know, raising, actually raising pigs because the cost of animal feed is, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. people can afford it. Right. Yeah, Crazy. I bet. I bet. Wow. So I'm lucky. Yeah, I'm lucky. Most of my time is spent on picking up, they call it house scraps. Yeah. Right. People's, people's leftover food. Right. Right. Houses. So I, I, got, I got about 50 on the list. 
Oh, nice. So you go around like kind of door to door to do that? Yes. Oh, how yes. crazy. Yes. There's, yes. That's your circular economy. That's what the fancy word their academics yeah. are calling yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Full recycling. Olden time style. <laughs> if I take my pigs to the slaughterhouse, then they're not grain fed. They're right. organic fed. Right. You totally. Get, you get more bucks out of that. Ah, oh, cool. awesome. Awesome. Right, how many right, pigs right. you get? Uh, right now I got... Uh, I got about fifteen. A lot of people are um, they don't they, they don't like color in a pig. Oh, interesting. Yeah, huh. so they like the pink. So, like, yeah, they like white. Yeah, they like yeah. white. And if you think about if if you know pigs like the wild pigs, and if you have a black yeah. pig, black domestic pig, the hair is hard to come off. Oh, interesting. Oh. You're scraping it off. Yeah. So everybody wants white. Oh, interesting. Huh, that's is it just like personal preference or do they like do they like the meat or something? No, no, no. Kind of like harder to clean when you put the when oh. you put the boiling water on the skin to scrape it off. It takes more time. I see. I see. Wow, there's so much to know. I guess for our listeners here, Brian, you and I met. Um, maybe I feel like maybe 2005 when I was the preserve manager for Maui. So it's Clark Hill and it was Peter Koholova'a, Wayward Canoe Smith, and uh, they were first cousins. And they taught me everything because I'm the city girl, yeah, from, from yeah. Oahu, yeah. moving over <laughs> to to do. I'll never forget. They, they asked me one time, like, can you flight follow for us? We're going, you know, wherever in Hana Mountain. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> flight follow. <laughs> so yeah. I, it was a crash course. And uh, they trained me on everything about everything. They were amazing. Yeah. And so I, you were in that group of guys that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I fell into the group with them. When did you, how long have you been doing that kind of, the kind of, this kind of work? We're talking about animal management for, you know. Um, I, I worked with them for tw- 27 years. Wow. And then I got, I got out in 2020. And then they called me back for, you know, as a part-time, almost like okay. a consultant where yeah. the guy that they, who's a field tech, I'm trying to bring him up to speed in a position that I once was, which was a field coordinator. Yeah. Okay. So you were basically managing the teams at that, in that role, like that would kind of. Kind of like the, the, the animal control team. Right. Animal right. control and mostly fencing. Build fence. And then once they're built, kind of doing the checks and making sure. Once they're built and trying to, you don't want to say exterminate a Molokai. Never say that word. Try to get the pigs out or pigs or any animals out from that fence so the native plants can thrive. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. The language is way more specific because we're not talking about that. It's just like protecting those zones. And, right, you know. right, right. Yeah. So, so you, you mostly use control, you know, yeah. control, not exterminate control. Yeah. Brian, I want to back up a little bit and ask about, um, you know, you're growing up. Um, tell us like, you know, growing up on Molokai, how, who and how did you get connected with the land? Where do you live? Uh, growing up on Molokai. Uh, in, in, in the 70s, um, the the only uh, work for the high school kids during the summer, guaranteed job, is working the pine- pineapple fields. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so right. everybody worked in the pineapple fields. They were getting paid like a, a $1.50 an hour Man. picking pine. I didn't want to stay on the island after high school. I thought that pineapples would be here on Molokai my whole life, and I didn't want to be a pineapple picker my whole life. Right. So I joined the service for four, four years. Oh, and it came back. Okay. What was surprising was when I came back, I had a hard time finding a job. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. So what did you do when you got back? After I got out of the service, I was kind of lucky that uh, my uh, wife-to-be, her uncle worked for um, Loomis Courier Service. It's a security service where we just picked up and delivered mail. Okay. Mm-hmm. The different different um, banks and, you know, yeah. all, all the other businesses. Right and, and during that time, I went to school there part-time on the GI Bill. Oh. No, cool. This was all on Molokai, so you're back there. You're not... Another another island. Then. I was kind of lucky too. During that time, I was in the habit of driving there, so I'm I'm kind of lucky. Most of yeah. the people right. in Molokai can't drive in Oahu. Traffic mm. so bad, and people are so, <laughs> people are so it's, yeah. It's, people do not have any courtesy there. No, no yeah. they do not. I think it's more that they're just oblivious. That's my take. I I grew up in New York, where like it's opposite of courtesy. It's just like aggro driving, but it's yeah, like more predictable because you know what everyone's gonna do. Yeah, it's their habit. It's their habit. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, they're yeah. they're just oblivious here. Right, it's crazy. Right, right. So so I I came back to Molokai because um during that time um, I live on a Hawaiian homestead. Okay. And it was under my name. My father passed away when I was fifteen. Okay. Mm. My mother was a gardener. After a certain age, you had to get back the land, you know, to the person right whose whose, whose name is on the, on that uh, property. I see. Yeah. So I came back and took care of their homestead. I was working for Aloliki. And then uh, the the hotel on the on the west side opened up the Sheraton mm-hmm. Mall. Guy. Yeah. So I worked there part time, busboy, and then a the waiter. But I was kind of yeah. lucky. I I had great great supervisors in my whole life. It's awesome. Like, what about outside work? They're like, no. When you're not working, I mean, why were you just? Was it kind of easy to kind of slip back into the kind of stuff you did as a kid? You know, like hunting, cruising around. I always knew that I'd be raising animals. I mean, pigs. Okay. Pigs, because my father did that when he was when he was alive. And yeah. when I came back, my brother was, you know, doing the, the farm thing. The pigs, the pigs were all gone when they came back. Oh. So I had to reestablish that, you know, getting my own breed, starting up the piggery again. I don't raise pigs to sell. I try to help people if they do need pigs for graduation, baby right. new homes, wedding, uh, if I have. But right. it's mainly for me. And did you, were you, I mean, like we were talking to Penny the other day. She lives right down the road. She I know, down the road. right? <laughs> you guys are all like in the same neighborhood. Yeah, we're just hitting up your whole neighborhood. We're just yeah. like <laughs> going around. She's on the Hawaiian homestead too. Yeah, okay. she said, and she was talking about being so connected to the ocean. So was that also a part of your upbringing too? Brian, were you, or were you more in the mountains and raising animals? She was close to the ocean because it's right out of her door. It's right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. It's right there. It's right there. During my... Uh, my stint at uh, the hotel, I was, I, I was a surfer. I did not know there was a boardwalk until I met Eddie Misaki. I did not know. I was really a surf freak. I got off work for my supervisor at the hotel. Really nice woman. And mm-hmm. the surf is right there at the hotel. So I tell her, her name is Esther. Esther, can I take off? And boom, guarantee. Awesome. <laughs> Nice. Just have the board board in the truck and just go. No, it's right there. Yeah, right there. Bring your surfboard down when you work. Ask that boss. Boom, in the water. Sick. (laughs) It's like a dream. I know. We're so sick with jealousy because like it's one thing my dad was surfing in Makaha in the 60s and and 70s. And and it's one thing to be like surfing on Oahu. In the in the olden days and reminisce, but surfing Molokai in those days, wow! You must have been like the only guy out. Yeah, I can't imagine it. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
in fact, when I, when I was on Oahu um, stationed there, and then after that, stayed there to work. I mean, I had three good buddies. One was from, uh, two was from Molokai. Yeah. Oh, two and two was from uh, Oahu, but we used to go out at Kaiser Bowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had this pudding guy, short, stocky pudding guy. His name was Bobby. Uh, I don't want to say his last name, but we used to go, <laughs> and he was an enforcer where we went out and he punched all the other guys. And we're the only guys oh, serving Kaiser Bowl. Yeah. There you go. Wow. One way to clear the crowd. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's definitely, I mean, yeah. even in like the 20 years that I've been serving here, it's it's kind of mellowed out a little bit. There's like, you know what I mean? Like there's, it's such a crazy mix of strangers kind of every time you go. It's hard. I think there's, there's definitely, Kaiser's would be one of those spots. It's probably more localized, but. um. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we actually surfed a, a, a secret spot at that time called Silver's. Well, I'm not oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine back then. I mean, it's magic. It's, Ooh, yeah. it's not a secret anymore, unfortunately. No, nope, secret anymore. Back then it was a dirt road, yeah, all the yeah, way out yeah. North Shore. Wow. So how in the world did you go from working at surfing at the hotel to working for the Nature Conservancy? So I was kind of like working seven days a week. So I was working mm. part time Hawaiian Air and Robert's bus tours. I was kind of working both jobs there and I was like, you know, I was getting tired of the, you know, the hustle and bustle. At that time, Eddie Misaki approached me and he wanted a guy from Molokai. I didn't know anything about, you know, vegetation. And like I told you, I didn't even know the boardwalk is existed. Hmm. He approached me and said, you know, I need a guy that lives in Molokai and can walk. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Can walk. At that time, he, he, he had a problem with two knuckleheads that were under him and he was kind of yeah, yeah trying to get rid of them and they were fighting him okay you know trying to stay in and i don't want to get involved because i knew them and yeah yeah they were kind of rowdy guys so yeah i don't know how he got rid of them but he lucky at that time he was lucky he had kathy tachibana yeah holding it together for him yeah and what year was this brian this was um 93 okay, okay. 1993 that's when I started there. 93, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, anyway, get back to your question about how old are you? I'm I'm 67. My wife is the same age. And get this, she was not my girlfriend in high school. Okay. <laughs> she was my she was her best friend. Oh, okay. whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All in the family. <laughs> my ex-girlfriend was a bridesmaid. No way. <laughs> well, it all worked out in the end. And so in that trivia, my wife has the same birthday as I do. That makes it easy to remember for the rest of the family. All your grandkids, they better not mess that one up. <laughs> Hey, I have a question about, um, you know, so like in the early 90s, and I'm imagining, you know, TNC, this is the Nature Conservancy is getting started. I'm just curious what your impression of what the people thought about it, like the general public or if- No, they hated it. They hated it. They, they, we were like intruders. Okay. Invading their stomping grounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. At that time, yeah, and at that time, we did a lot of volunteer work. I mean, worked with volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the, the Valley of Pelikunu has so mm-hmm. much animals there. We're bringing the volunteers in there to uh, like control the animals. We're flying in by helicopter, 19 hunters, three different camps in there. Wow. And each, each um, hunting group had dog hunting dogs with them. So wow. we had a portion of flying guys in with their dogs, settle them in, and then start hunting. How do you fly the dogs in? Are they sling loading? They're, they're, they're in a long line in the kennel in a sling. That's amazing. You know what the first thing they do when they land, huh? 
is just poop all over the place. Oh my god! Oh. I'll, I'll do the same thing if I. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put me in a cage on a long line under a helicopter, <laughs> flying uh, in the air. Oh, wow, that's wild. And like you said, there was a lot of you know like competition among the hunters who can catch the most while they're in there. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So. Was there, was it just like internal competition or were you guys telling them, you know what, get as many as, as can and. It it, it depended on the hunter and dog, you know, Um, some guys went in and they had shoo shoo dogs where we're looking for the dog all the time instead of hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the understanding at the time? Like, I mean, talking with like Penny and, and Pauline and, and folks, you know, it's like, there's so much happening at that time right it's like politically it there's like sovereignty happening and land back and we want our land back oh and by the way at the same time you know there's there maybe is or isn't an understanding about about you know the waukua the the forest and the importance of that and the animals are running all over and digging it up like did you i guess i my question is did you need to be convinced by that um argument of we need to get the animals out because they're 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 ripping up the forest. Did you feel like, yeah, this is this is the right thing, or did it take some convincing for you to un- come to that understanding later? Well, the, the only convincing part is when I flew in with Eddie for the first time. That first week, I started um, working for Nature Conservancy. Um, I was amazed. That place was so untouched. Yeah, right. And the animals were like everywhere. It's like, where do we begin? Where do we begin? To start control. Right. <laughs> so at that time, um, there were a lot of goats lower at the lower elevations. When we started getting rid of the goats, then the pigs started going there mm-hmm. and the uh, goats went higher. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. It kind of switched. It kind of switched, mm-hmm. yeah. Because they're running from you guys and then the pigs are kind of saying, well. Yeah, this is yeah, this is our turf now. It's our turf now. How interesting. But yeah, there are a lot of animals. And, you know, for the hunters, bringing them in, it was kind of like, you know, their highlight where it's like, we're going into virgin country. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. There's a lot in there and we're going to take them all. And what was their reaction to? Did they become? They became more competitive against each other. You know, that I'm better than you. And we had a hard time controlling who, you know, who goes in because the mm. same guys are going in every single time. Yeah. So we mm. tried to control that where there's different leaders that go in. But we found out that the main pig hunter was putting his guy's name on the list under him, you know, on, on the list, and he was going in with them too. So they're still going in, hmm. yeah, and not giving anybody else uh, the chance. Of, yeah, yeah, chance to go in. Right. They wanted access to that yes. spot. Yeah, especially getting flown in. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway. At one time, you had a hard time controlling the attitude in there because there's a lot of heavy in there in that stream. Mm. So you had to control. You know, we're hunting. We're not, you know, going in the stream, right. picking it up, and you're not packing it out by yeah. right, right. by walking. Yeah. We're taking mm-hmm. it out by helicopter. That's a disadvantage right. to the other people. Yeah, all that kind of un- unintended uh, consequences, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad that we got out of that. You know, we, we, we got more strict into, you know, having volunteers uh, working for us. You know, there's a lot right. of, a lot of uh, red tape you got to go through. 
Right. Yeah. And you can kind of like spread it out, like you said, kind of give chance to other people. Yep. You know, it's like a privilege, right? In a sense. Yes. Yes. That's it. The privilege. Okay. So I wasn't working for the Nature Conservancy uh, or the National Park Service on Maui when all of the protests were going on on the side of the road. And, uh, you know, you remember that, right? So was there the same kind of like demonstrations against um, and and vandalism on the fences and things like that? Or, was, or did you guys, or was it more just like grumbling behind the scenes and like... There's a big controversy. When I first began, Eddie had snares out. So one of the hunters, you know, our really activists, um, went to the legislature and said that we can do what the snares can do. And no way can you do that. You know, no. right. snares are there 24-7. No. Right. But to listen to him and make him prove his point, they passed it where we pulled all the snares out. Oh. And then started bringing them in. And that's why the volunteer, you know, we're bringing the volunteer hunters. And how long did that go on? And when did, yeah, what was the outcome of that? The outcome was they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't produce the numbers like the snares did. Yeah. Um, and then after Eddie started introducing where, you know, if we can fence it, to protect it and then get the animals out from it is better. So then we face another controversy. Yeah. Suggesting that we fence up this certain area and then boom, they were back at us again. Right. Wait, so back up a second. So you guys were doing snares just to keep them out, but you had not built the fences yet then or this? Not yet. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. And Molokai is so small. So I can imagine that like, this was this was like personal, yeah. This is like you see these folks, like you go to the post office. Oh and- yeah, it is so, we have one newspaper here. It's called the, yeah. the, the this the dispatch. Yeah. Before it comes on, everybody knows the news already. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> oh my right, gosh. Right, right. Like getting back to the snaring and the hunt and the fencing, and you know, I, I'm sure Eddie will tell us about this too. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. what was the, what, were you getting it personally, like from people or were they more like directing it towards Eddie or what was the. They were more directed to him. It, it was yeah. almost like he was wearing a Superman costume yeah. with TNC on the front. Yeah. Right. A big bullseye, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and so that lasted for some time. And then, but you kept doing your work, right? Are you, were you on the fence crew at the time too? Everything, everything. Yeah, it was everything. All of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fencing projects, having done them too a little bit. Oh my gosh, so hardcore. I mean, can you tell us? The work, just the work. The work, um, <clears throat> we tried to get innov- innovative um, where uh, what made it more easier were was stringing out that uh, 250 foot length of uh, hog wire, uh, hooking it up to the helicopter, and there's a roller on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one guy holds the end of the beginning of the fence, and they just run that bugger all the way down. Just, just yeah, yeah. That, but but, cool. then, but that's after we we stu- stuck in the t posts, the metal t right. Yeah. So you go drive your T-posts in down the line. Yes. I mean, I guess first you're scoping, huh? Like, so the first task you're out there trying to figure out where the heck is this thing going to fit and go. They call it ground truthing. But, right. Uh, you mark, you you flag your um, your trail. Yeah. You're going to put out the fence and then you suck in the um, T-posts um, on your corners and then you tie in with the barbed wire in the bottom mm-hmm. and that's going to be your line. Right. So you put in the barbed wire, corner to corner, then it come down with the tipo, bam, 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 and then the wire. Right along the line. Yeah. And were you figuring this out 
yourself, Brian, or did you have someone helping who knew? We had great guys um, that, that, that they hired. Yeah. And they were camping out there uh, four days out of the week, 10 hour days. So I had to go in, you know, kind of like once in a while, more maybe every other week just to, you know, get those guys you know, motivated. Some of them were slacking and the other guys, were, you know, when you get the slacker in your group and you can't say anything about it, but it goes among, yeah, among the, the group where they kind of isolate that guy on the side where they're not going to tell him that, hey, bro, you lazy, bro. I went in there and tried to bump those guys up. Keep the, keep the morale going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard work. Well, it is. It is. There's probably nothing like that. I mean, you look at some of these fences. I come across zones and I can't even imagine, like, how how did someone stand here and drive a T-post? <laughs> like, I, I can't stand here without the fence, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been afraid of heights. So on the east oh, side, you know, yeah. You can't see where that hill goes. And right. I was kind of like hesitant. And I was looking down. It's like, we're going down there. <laughs> wow. Can you speak a little bit to like some of the innovations you guys are trying to figure out? Because, you know, there's a lot of zones where you get obviously stream crossings. You get just like erosion zones where you just like have to cr- do these crazy skirting. And I was, what was some of those like problem solving? Like, was that, were you like in the field just figuring it out? Or was it like a lot of kind of planning and figuring, like coming back to the drawing board? No, we, we just, we just fence through, we just fence yeah. through, but you know, coming back and then, you know, seeing that fence getting torn from, you know, from the rains. And yeah. it's like, oh, man. All the debris coming down. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of like the weak spot on the whole entire fence line. All those stream beds. As the years went by, technology was making like flaps, you know, rubber mm-hmm. flaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so, so the, when, when the stream force comes down, it doesn't take the entire fence out of whack. Right, right. And then that, it's kind of like pigs can't really push into it, but it can allow the crap to... Kind of oh yeah, yeah, yeah! All, no, all, the the, all the debris just lean on your fence, and yeah. you're not going to dig them out. You, you're going to yeah. lay another one, another yeah, route. Yeah. Yeah. So it was initially, so what I'm understanding is initially you guys were just building 47 inch hog wire fence across the streams down into these gulches, and then they get blown out because the stream debris would just like pile up on the fences. And eventually that became what is called, I don't even know what is it called now, the skirting, right? Which is like- Yes, yes, yes. Describing for our listeners, it's like, is it PVC plastic or something like that? Like draped across like a shower curtain or- Using that, but before we just just cut another uh, uh, length of fence, same height, and this- just tie it onto the bottom of the fence, which you raise the fence higher so that the debris can go under it. So the fixed, the rigid part of the, the tensioned part of the fence is above that crap. And then you have that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. After that, then we started going rubber, rubber mats. Right. I see. I see. Well, it's incredible to me too, because I work at UH and an extension and I'm trying to often explain um, just how hard the work is and like what it takes. Because I think when you try to communicate the importance of doing this stuff, as far as, you know, protecting these zones, like the effort, right? It's just like, you can't, like, you're not going to fix stuff with a lot of technology. Like, it's just got to get out there. And I'm just curious about, you know, how you guys sort of fell into as you transition where the fences are built and then you got to like, you know, take on the maintenance part and checking and- That's the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. That's the hardest part. And so did you guys kind of fall into that just- you know, kind of, how'd you find a rhythm to sort of get where you're like, all right, now, now we got this fence. Now we have to take care of it. Like, what does that kind of ter- transition into as far as with your teams and think coordinating people? You have to go do it kind of like monthly or 
uh, bi-monthly checks on the fence because mm-hmm. you had plans that you had to, you know, to, to get your funding, you had to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To maintain all that. I'm sure it was a very expensive project <laughs> and, and it's just so critical, right? It's like the first thing you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Come towards the fence now, the molasses grass is so thick that you can't see the fence. Oh, man. And, and, and to walk along that fence to inspect it, no way, Jose. So the, the new technology is fly that drone over. You fly the drone over, you look, if there's a trail that goes through that fence, you know, you got to break there. Oh, wow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's more easier in the man now. The other things it's interesting to see is like goats and pigs. You know, I, we've, I work with an army natural resource program here. So they've got a whole bunch of these management units and they're finding places where they're, they're getting breaches by goats. And you're like sitting there and the fence looks intact. You're trying to figure out like, can they launch it here? You know what I mean? Like there's all these <laughs> things that are particular to the animals, eh, that you're dealing with too, huh? Yeah. And um, the first fence that we built up in Kamoko, you know, it was it was just for pigs. And then now we, we, we're getting a pro- problem where deer is like, what? This fence yeah. is so low. I can step over Shoot. it. Yeah, easy. Yeah, we have a big problem now in, in Kamoko by the boardwalk. They're up there. The They're deer up there. are up there. Oh, they, my gosh. They, they skirted the fence. So uh, we got a group. I don't know what the group is at, but they're putting uh, – it's called a Kamoko lower fence. You know, the fence is lower, and we're trying to hold the guys down lower right, and not let them get – Higher. Lower elevation, but then what do you have? It's like a nine foot. What's the fence specs on that? Yeah, it's nine foot fence. Yeah. Nine foot it's, fencing. It's, a, it's a fence where they're using hog, the highest hog, and then poly line and the, a mesh fence on the top. Now they're go- now the new technology is using the New Zealand fence, higher, nine foot. The only thing is, you know, putting up gates. You always put up a gate where it's not locked, but people go in and, you know, on purpose. And leave it open. So are you still having those issues then with people who do and don't accept that there are fences and that there will be areas in which we are trying to remove the animals from that? You still are running into that, even in 2023. (laughs) You're always going to get that. We still have people. There's a a type of breed called Russian boar. It's more aggressive. So they're raising that and then dropping the piglets off in the fence. Moving them in. So they can have hunting for them. Yeah. There's a question like despite related to this, but like just despite obviously people that whatever they don't know or they don't care. I mean, it's hard to say, but I'm just curious. I like over the years, as you kind of get more people working and more involved from the community. I mean, did you see it? Do you think you felt a change in like acceptance uh, more broadly of like, okay, yeah, these places are cool. It's not like we're, it's not eradication. We're not getting rid of them completely. We're just keeping them out of these spaces. Like that had, have you seen change in people's perspective? I see you know, changes in some people, but you know, like others, you know, they're hunters. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to do this and my kids are going to do this as long as we live. Yeah. So those are the type of guys that you can't change them. Yeah. yeah. You know, hunting is, is instilled in their, in their blood. Yeah. Right. I find it so interesting that you have totally both perspectives. And I love that about talking to you because you're like you said, you're like, I- I'm going to raise pigs. You knew that from a, when you were young and I'm going to breed them and we're going to have them you know, for food. And we're also not going to have them up in these areas, too. We're going to keep them nice and try to restore them. So I love that you... You really like live in both worlds in a sense, yeah? I do. I do. Like, like I told you, I know a lot of people. And from that hunting program, you know, I, I know I know their attitudes, their style, you know, the hunters. 
um, you can't change them, but they're they're my friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. So you guys go to each other's baby luau's and. <laughs> well, of course. Yep, 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 yep. And 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 they still talk shit behind your back. Yeah, <laughs> it's just part of the deal. It's part of the deal. <laughs> well, it's funny because I think you know I've heard it on the other side too. Like you can't say that people that are kind of diehard conservationists, you know, just think that I think a lot of people's brains there's no space. So I've I've done a lot of stuff with wildland fire, right? And that is like you know the the starting point. 10 years ago with trying to say, oh, maybe you should work with ranchers because, you know, cows eat grass and that's like your problem with fire. Right. And yep. like, I've seen people walk out of the room. I mean, it's changed. It's changed even in 10 years. Like people are more accepting. Oh, okay. Maybe this is like a solution, but I feel that, you know, there was somewhere down the line, there maybe was a, a maybe a missed opportunity because to me, it just seems that hunters would be like, the best ally in getting this kind of work done because they are eyes on the ground. Like they know these places like nobody else. And, you know, as far as trying to get folks that have that experience into these jobs, doing that work, I think they're like, they're like cream of the crop, right? This is like the best, most experienced people you could work with. You can't trust them. You can't trust them. No, it's not. They're not, they're not going to be into the work, right? I mean, the, the objectives. You can't trust them. So are any of your kids or grandkids doing or interested in kind of the work that you've done? Are they all like doing their own thing and, you know? Uh, kind of like, you know, finding whatever jobs you get on, on the island. Yeah. So my, my, um, my oldest daughter is uh, working at um, Kuala Poo School, mm -hmm. teaching Hawaiian oh, nice. cool. she graduated She graduated from, uh, graduated from Kamehameha. Awesome. My second owns a store. Um, if you ever come to Wonokai, yeah. it's called Mini Mart. Um, it's the place that opens the latest and always sells out in beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's important. People are thirsty, have... man. <laughs> We're not going to go thirsty. without our beer. Late at night. <laughs> you know, that's what Molokai. Molokai, you, you run under your brand yeah. in the store and it's like, it, it doesn't make, make any difference. I'm going to buy the yeah, other beer. Yeah. And, and, then my, and my son works on Maui. Uh, he's a mason. He works for, uh, as a mason. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he lives there. Yeah. Uh, and then my youngest daughter, that was her son, um, she works at the uh, Molokai General Hospital admin. Mm. Oh, you see, so you got your family around you then. That's yes, I do. Yes, I do. Just my son. Just my son. Yeah, is that's area. wonderful. Yep. You know? Yeah. So yep. they always want to stop at Papa's house because he's got the homestead bigger. <laughs> Bigger lot to run around in. There is so much of that homestead, you know, wanting to work the land still on Molokai, which is the thing that I, I'm learning talking to you, you folks. It's kind of hard where people who have homesteads, you know, they have them 40 acres where they're too old to work the land. Uh, and the young youngsters are too lazy. They don't want they to. They don't want to do it. Work the land. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and you need machinery today. You need machinery. You can't do it by hand. Yeah. Tell us about like that transition that you've been doing. You know, you've been working on the land. You've been raising pigs. You've been in and out of like different customer service and now on the land for a long, long time. Like what have you seen in the past, you know, since the seventies with, with that, you know, desire or lack of desire to, to do the homesteading thing, you know, do you think it's like, I mean, on one hand you have people, you know, who are restoring fish ponds and doing all this amazing work and in that, you know, and they're younger folks, right. Some of them. Right. Um, and so, and then on the other hand, you have people maybe moving away. Like, do you, have you seen some changes there? Oh yeah. I, I seen a lot of people moving away. We, we have the highest rates here, electricity rates, gas rates, yeah. Um, now, now the store. I mean, eggs in the store. Oh my God, it's 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 high. 
is high. Yeah. So there's actually there's a lot of uh, uh, people now after the COVID who's going into sustainability. Right. And and that's to me that's the best part. If you can raise something on your land and trade it off with the other guy, there's no money exchange in between. Exactly. Right. You know, whatever you need. Like, yeah. People are raising whatever they need because of COVID and. I was kind of laughing where, you know, it's kind of a joke that I made where before COVID, if you look at the Filipinos here in Molokai, that small land, we do so much stuff in it. Cranking, yeah. And, and the Hawaiians had 40 acres. What are you raising on that 40 acres? Which is changing now. Right. So I, I, I like that. And I like the bartering system. Yeah. You know, if I get something, if I have Kalua pig, I'll give this a bag to a guy and I get in return, I get something else. Right. Some fish or something. And it's cool that in Molokai, it just makes more, well, not that it makes less sense anywhere else, but that you have the community, right? So it's like everyone's sort of neighborly and it's like, you know, there's these networks are there to trade. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of animosity towards the guys that are moving here, you know, the locals mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the, the, the guys that, you know, live maybe 10 years. And, you know, like I, I was flying on a plane and, and that person, I never even knew that person, was telling that new visitor, you know, about all the things on Molokai, and they they weren't telling the truth. But, but, <laughs> you know, it's not my cooling honor to, you know, correct that person. I mean, you want to tell them, totally, let them find out for themselves. But yeah. If you really want to come to Molokai, hook up with a local so you get the right, you get the right, you know, the right feel, right info, and and the, and the truth, yeah, yeah. And what they face from the beginning, not now what we see on Molokai, where people are trying to get. McDonald's here, you know, fast food here, because that's where they came from. They had that, but not here in Molokai. Well, it's in, and it's interesting too, yeah, because Penny was talking about, you know, saying no to that really big land development, oh, yeah. <laughs> quote, yep. Yep. Like, yep. quote unquote development, you know, and I was reading the article and I, I want to ask Ed too, and you about, you know, your feelings about that. I kind of see all of that because, um, uh, you know, we can't do anything. I mean, right now they're trying, the community is trying to do something to purchase uh, Molokai properties. Yeah, they're trying to purchase right. it. I can't see it going through. I can't see no. it going through. Always. Yeah, you'd have to come up with a lot of money. But, but it, and it's a lot of work. Every community member has to put their backing behind the project. Right. Yeah. If not... Is it's not going through. That's a tough one, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're like operating within the rules of the game. It's like private property is private property. And so it's like you've got to put your money where your mouth is and then it basically comes down to ownership. Put your money where your mouth is and know right. right. the regulations you gotta go through. Right. You know, they, they're, they're not aware of that. Have you and your family been on your property then for quite some time then? You That's why I moved back. Um when my father is alive, you know, there's kind of like controversy who getting who's getting the land that was passed on from his father. And I used to live with my grandpa at the and that's the guy that put me to, back to the land, my grandfather. So yeah, you know, I I kinda learned about, you know, raising pigs from him, stuck around this um, backyard. When my father kinda like lost, you know, that homestead around around Ho'olehua, he put out, uh, set out to get his own homestead, which was at Kapa'akea, right out of town, about a mile out from town, going east. And then he wanted to raise where that, that, that area you could not raise animals. So he moved to an ag lot, which is here in Kalamaula. Now in Kalamaula, these are the old lots, and they were the first, kind of like a trial run, for the okay. If you cannot make, if you cannot take care of the land, you cannot live on that land, then we're not going to do homesteading. Mm-hmm. So, so I live on a 10-acre ten, ten lot. 
my lot is um, so on my side where I live is four and a half acres. Okay. On the other side, which I don't don't have a, a water meter back there, it's only kind of like shrub land towards the ocean. It's five acres. So mm-hmm. out of that ten acres, 0.5 is a highway going right through my land. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Right. So everybody what told that, me uh... I went through a program to fence my area. The whole, <laughs> the whole area is fenced. The guy surveying said, Brother, you own that highway. Who wants this? Put one fence up and charge toll. Charge yes. the toll. Yeah, right. Your own, uh, what's it called? Eminent domain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he claim yeah, your yeah. own? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was the only guy. Everybody has 10 acres. I was the only guy that did not give you know, that land across the street back oh. to Hoinstead, Homestead. The, the only toll, toll road. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. That's... My, my land, like I said, across the road is mostly, mostly swamp area. You know, it's kind of like hard, mm-hmm. hard to build there. There's only mm-hmm. like probably a quarter of the beginning is um, Kiavi trees and the rest is uh, yeah. Akuli Kuli. Oh, Okay. Okay. You guys get like a, a Hawaiian water birds, like, you know, Alaiula yes, or anything uh, like in the. Yes, 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 yes. You get them like stopping yes, in. Yes, yes. Oh. So, can I, can I explain to you the, the water table here? Here in front of my house, we dug the cesspool at 11 feet, we hit water. Mm-hmm. Oh on my that, gosh. On that wow. side, across, across the road, I dug a, a corner post for my fencing, three feet, I hit water. Wow. It's yep. so shallow. Right and just there. think about it. Maybe I should go back huh. there and dig again and find out the, what do you call that? Climate change. Yeah, if it's getting yeah. pushed up. Salt water intrusion, mm-hmm. yeah. Sea level rise. Yeah, for, so for me, it's kind of hard to raise anything here because the soil is so acidy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So are you doing amendments? You're, not, you're mo- doing mostly pigs and then what? Do you just kind of have orchard and stuff? I do pigs. I, I got, I'm raising kind of like on the side, okra, lemon, some taro, kabocha, banana. You know, kind of like, it, it's not, I know I'm not into cropping yet, but it's kind of like whatever I want to eat. I, I'm just growing it. You got to get green onions. Yeah. You gotta, it's so easy to grow. You know, when I see my, <laughs> when I see my kids going <laughs> store to buy green onions, I tell them, where's the, where's the ones I gave you before so you can plant? Yeah, we've got a pot of it. We just raid. Lazy. L-A-Z-E. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> That's the easiest stuff to grow. Yeah, we were... We have a small... You know, Hamakua gets rain all the time, so we have, like, zero excuse for, for you know, not growing stuff over here. Yeah, yeah. You get natural irrigation. Irrigation. Oh, yeah. it's, like, it's, it's, like, beyond easy. But then, like, trying to figure out what the diseases are yeah, and like yeah, dealing with yeah. the, you know, and that's just a whole other thing. I'm like, well, that's why I married you, Chuck, is your botanist. You're sp-. He's like, I don't know about that stuff. I know what the plant is. That's about it. <laughs> Crops? Oh my gosh. That's a whole other. That is so funny. That is so funny. It's, it's, it's almost like my wife. My wife, you know, she has, she has a good friend that she purchases uh, a plant from. So, so she buys peacocky plants and then doesn't even water them, you know, just buys them and then picks the flower afterwards. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well. She doesn't even water them, you know, even takes care of them. Oh, the flower's oh, there. Yeah. She's there. Got it. 
<laughs> just priorities. Uh, yeah. <laughs> priorities. No, my, my wife has like eyes on a couple of them at her parents' place, and she like somehow always gets the picake in particular. <laughs> yeah, picake. Picake. What's the other one on the uh, for, uh Kenny Kenny? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. most favorite. I, I like the mint. I like the mint. You know the spearmint. Yeah, mint yeah. I mean, that's so easy because you don't have to, you can literally abuse that thing and just, you yeah, know, just keep, keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like rosemary. You don't, needs a, little, needs a bit of water. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to ever, orchids are the same. Like I can keep orchids alive. Like they they take a lot of abuse, but yeah. with the What I kind of went into is, um, you know, when they, they had the COVID and I was cooking, there was no ginger, no ginger in the store. Mm. And then, so I called Eddie and he had, he had some growing. So that's what I have growing. You got to get ginger. That's what I got growing out here too, yeah. Oh, nice. Yep. Nice. I love like this casual planting beca- because you read about, I'm reading this book that Suzanne Case recommended. Um, it's it's about ancient Hawaii and it's called uh, Exalted Sits the Chief. And it's about all of the casual gardening that was going on <laughs> in the old days of like, oh yeah, we live over here, but then we go over there and like harvest a little bit over there. And then we go over there and we like plant yep. a little bit yep. when it rains and then we come back and it's like not super hardcore intensive. It's just like opportunistic gardening. It's something here. You, you're not hopping around. You know who's growing that. Yeah. So you kind of like take whatever you're growing and then switch or trade with them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Same thing. Yeah, they're talking about that with Waimea too. Like they're so extensive, that kind of casual gardening, it, which of course there was like the old system, but at the same time, there was just little little places here and there. Yep. Clay, you probably know more about this than me. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't really... I'm not much of a gardener. I mean, I have some plants. I have some veggies going in my in my yard, but it's just a tinker, you know. It, it's, my mind is almost like uh, since I got the pig pen, it's popping up in the pig pen, so I transplant it, you know, move it to a location. Boom, you got squash. Yeah. Awesome. I got kabocha and some yep. collard greens going. They're pretty easy, you know, and, and kale, a couple kale plants. It's a, that's about as far as I got. I tried tomatoes every once in a while, and I I never have luck with them. I don't know what it is. Oh, hard. There's all they're just so delicate. They're always getting either eaten by the birds or they're like there's like mold growing on them. I'm like cannot yeah. keep them. I, see, I just seen three plants um, growing in the wild out here. I think the cherry tomatoes, the little ones. Yeah, those sometimes will get going. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna transplant transplant. Yeah. That was a get going. It's just I, there's a couple varieties I get from Sitar, right? So it's like that I, I'm in. It's, it's my college here. Oh yeah, Sitar. Wow. Oh. And uh, so I've had some luck, like at the beginning, they kind of take off and go, but then I, I don't know. I'm just, I just don't like to pay attention. So yeah, I, I could to kind of fertilize, but here you gotta fertilize. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah it just gets washed away. Well, that's Talia's job, right? Clay? Well, no, because Talia, so my wife is the, she's the horticulturist for the botanical garden, the Honolulu botanical garden. So oh, wow. yeah, wow. but she doesn't want to do plants at home. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna do She's it all, like, all day for work. It's almost like you know, you see a carpenter or you see a yard man. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're taking together the yard, you know, the yard, and you go past his house and what? Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right, right. 
It's, it's so a jungle funny. there. It's yeah, a jungle. Totally, totally. Well, Brian, I do, do have like one last question, which is like, what advice do you have for the people out there, you know, like, you know, for taking care of the places that they love, if if they have that desire to work on the land, like do, whether that's in food or that's in fencing or that's in animal control, like, do you have any advice for the young people coming up into the field? Uh, you know, it's almost like uh, you think of the whole picture. Um, mm-hmm. you, and then you, you think of your fav- favorite spot. My favorite spot is out in Momomi because, you know, you can harvest out there. Yeah. I wanted to ask you. Different spots and, and it's isolated. You, you, yeah. you got a beach, you got a stretch of beach and you don't smell any suntan lotion out there. Right. So think of that, you know, your favorite spot and think of the whole island. You know, that's how you treat it. If you don't treat it that way, your kids will never you know, get the same feeling that you feel. Right. Ever. Right. Yeah. Those are uh, getting harder to find on Oahu. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have your moments. It's amazing. Yeah. Even here, you have those moments when you're by yourself in places. It's people don't believe me. That's what I kind of do. You know, I go to Momomi by myself and I just walk the beach and just zone. Yeah. Just zone, you know, with this. The smell. Yeah. Oh man, nothing like it. Nothing, nothing like it. Yeah. It's like time travel going to those those really, you know, important places. Yeah, don't forget your throw net when you go out there, okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right. If you know how, which I do not. But, oh, well, I mean, Clay, you guys got Makapu out there. I mean, you have like Kaivi. You can go all the way to the end. Yeah, and- there's spots. There's spots. We guard them. Pre- they're all precious. We don't tell anybody where you, you know, everyone, everyone has their spots. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. Do not, do not tell anybody. Sorry, I just revealed. <laughs> and, and, you know, we've been going back to, you know, your favorite spot and stuff like that. Yeah. When my, when my son was here, I tried to teach him hunting and I threw a net. He never did catch on. He had his own trip going on. And now he's living on Oahu and he's laying net and getting caught in front of the hotels. <laughs> Good, for him. Good for him. Right on. Be, that's excellent. Damn, there's like that's like part of the scenery, right? Like it's some yeah. That's so funny. That's, that's hilarious. That's what the visitors want to see. Exactly. Is like the real they, deal, you know, not the fake. They want to see the real deal. Yeah, but no, but if you let one guy in, you know, everybody's coming in. Oh, that's wow. true. Yeah, I don't so know how you deal with that. So yeah, I mean that that's that's awesome. Good for him. Well, I think it's sort of like cooking, right? Like there's there's like you try to show. You know, my mom would try to show me how to make certain things. And I was like, oh, I don't know, not interested. And then you get to a point where you're like missing it. You know what I mean? Because they're not there to do it or show you. And you call them or you decide like, oh, I'm going to go do this thing that like, oh, yeah, I do remember. You know, it is in there. Yeah. Or, or you know, you, they, 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 they can't take the time to watch grandma, you know, cook. And they take mm-hmm. up one main dish that they know. And when they get older, mm-hmm. it's like, oh. I should have stayed with her the whole time. I think that's for everybody. And then I yep. think I was just talking to someone like that and they're like an older person. They're like, yeah, well, I, I, I was just the same way when I was a kid. I didn't ask anybody. It was kind of like instilled, instilled into me most of the stuff that I learned from. True. We don't have to translate that to <laughs> keep that one visual only. Every, every syllable. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun to hear your stories. And um, yeah, we can't wait to see yep. each other in the three dimensions one day. Right on. <laughs> Anything else, Brian? Uh, you- not really. 
But uh, yeah, no, no, but thanks for. I, I thought no, I, I thought this would be worse. You know, I was kind of like, I was kinda, you know, I was, when you when you when you when you initiated idea the idea of me being interviewed, I was like, I'm gonna try and shine her off, man. And then, <laughs> and then she called me and said, you know, yeah, hey, I'm doing a radio show. What? <laughs> And I want to get you. No, I heard you do interviews. I'm the guy in the in, in the trenches. That's exactly man. who we want to talk to, you know, and hear from. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you've been um, you've been at it for so long, and you have so many different perspectives. And you know, you've been, I in some sense, you know, like the ambassador. You know, I would say for uh, for protecting the Malka areas, and you know, some of these places that you know i'm sure were really challenging as you said and then you're and then you like i think about how you were inventing things like on the fly just right then and there and dealing with the interpersonal stuff which you know we talked about a little bit which is so 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 challenging for folks like running crews is just a whole other yeah. like dimension there's like the community aspect of what you're talking about like you know, stay friends with people who you disagree with. And then there's just the motivational aspect of like keeping the work going, you know, 30, 40 years later, right? It's a lot. Right. right. It's like you've tried to leave, but they, they got you back in. To my, you know, through my personal feelings is I wanted to go back and help. Yeah. You know, anyway, anyway, I could. And two days a week, which is uh, 14 hours total, you know, is kind of like not enough and sometimes yet enough. Well, and I think that there's something to be said for like, you know, the experience that you bring to the table that, you know, I think nowadays in particular, so it may be different and different in different islands, but like, so this may be particular to Oahu, but, you know, I see this, that these programs are having a hard time keeping people on and building, you know, to give them an opportunity to build that experience because, here they can't afford the cost of living to do this work. And that's like the saddest part of it, you know? And so you get, you get these really bright, talented people that come in and by like a few years down the road, they're like, ah, I'm going to, you know, a lot of them like back to trade school, do something different because they just can't, they can't pay the bills. Um, but there is a lot to be said for, you know, that the value of that long-term experience, problem solving, all of that, that um, you kind of have under your belt. Uh, it's awesome to hear that you're still at it. Yeah, I try to keep it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Brian. Right on. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. This was awesome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Ahoy ho. 